More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. On this episode of the Family Business Voice, we speak with author, career coach, and fifth-generation family business member, Philip McEwen. Philip shares his story of working with his family business at a young age, what it was like to leave the comfort zone, and then to be called back to join at board level. After over two decades of experience with his family's enterprise and having created dedicated networks for other family businesses in Ireland, Philip realized that there was a growing need to support family business successors. His new book, The Successor's Voice, is a practical guide for family members and empowers them to find the best way to add value to the family legacy. Enjoy this episode with Philip. Philip, it's lovely to have you on the Family Business Voice with us. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here on a beautiful day in Ireland, and I hope it's equally beautiful wherever your listeners and viewers are. As we always do on this podcast, we're starting on the personal note, which we love to do because we get to talk to a lot of people such as yourself who are family business members themselves. And I think your case is particularly interesting because I believe that you count as the fifth generation of your family business. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Fifth. Fifth generation. Founded in 1876, if you can think back that far. That's incredible. No, it's, it's hard to actually, because if you think about what's only just changed in the 20th century, like even thinking that your family business started even before then is, is an incredible feat to get this far. But that gives me the privilege of asking you a question that's always on my mind, which is the you know, the nature versus nurture question of the family business conversation, I would say, which is you're born into this, you're fifth generation. Is it burden or opportunity? I think it's a bit of both. It probably goes to originally ignorance or lack of knowledge and like about the business, about the family, about the history. And when one is young, one is getting on with living one's own life and just being young, etc. I suppose the trick is, I think, at some stage to have some sort of approach to learning about the business and about the family. And something that I write about in the book, which we'll come to later, is what I call is informed opportunity. Because there's always this element of opportunity. But my argument is, is that unless opportunity is tapered with a certain amount of knowledge of the business, self-knowledge, knowledge of maybe the legacy or the ownership piece, the actual opportunity may not be such an opportunity at all. So I suppose in the early years, one sort of gets involved or doesn't. In my case, I did as a young manager, not long after leaving university in Dublin, working in London, coming back and sort of starting off in what was then a very, very large business, even though I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And and probably then in time, it can potentially become a burden. I mean, any professional following or, or any following, well, whether you're trying to write books, whether you're trying to edit people's podcasts, whether you're trying to set up a business or send a rocket into space. I mean, eventually you are going to have 
certain burdens which you're going to have to deal with. I think the difference here for family successors and owners, and something I write to around this impact of ownership, is the burden seems to sort of pass itself out into many different facets of your life over time. You're talking about this this importance of having, I guess, like this idea of the family business as an opportunity, but then also being prepared in a realistic fashion when it comes to what is actually expecting us on the other side, behind the scenes, if you will. What struck you the most about once you had joined? Can you tell us a little bit more about what this uncovered for you? Well, I suppose when when you join, I mean, just to give you some context, the business is a wholesale business, wholesaling food, supplying independent retailers, our own stores, and also with large surface cash and carries. So and I've joined the family business twice. I, I joined first as a manager, and then maybe that's the bit we can focus on now. To answer your question, I, I suppose it's just learning about it and sort of getting on with it and not really giving it too much thought that it is per se a family business. It is just a business. You have to start somewhere and start working. I suppose the bit that does play and does arrive in time is this little bit of undercurrent and sense from people, not in a hostile way, but but they're always going to know that you are part of the owning family, even though one might try to sort of lay that down and not talk about it or or like allude to it much, but you have to reference it occasionally. I think the only bit I would say in that early bit before you begin overthinking about it or anything like like that and wondering what's next, is the understanding and the preparation that that one has to work hard and that one just gets in there, rolls up one's sleeves and is seen to work. You know, so it's sort of do good and seen to be doing good because people are are actually watching. But that onerous, that sort of onerous piece or that uh, bit about what it might impact on one or, or on me over... T- didn't really come to like a little bit later, to be honest. You have this very special case, Philip, where you joined, then you stepped away and then you rejoined. So let me first explore with you the difference that you experienced professionally and what you learned when you then worked outside of the family business. Like what was the contrast for you? What did you discover about yourself and how did that add to your knowledge that you then brought back to the family business? Well, I think one needs to step back a little, Ramia, to to my own experience of when I was in it. I mean, I worked in it for 10 years, did full-on operations experience. I mean, I wasn't sit, sitting in um, head, head office passing out emails or commenting on other people's work. I was really in the middle of it, running, hiring, firing, opening, closing. I worked in Spain. I worked all over Ireland. I suppose the bit that I found, and I guess it comes to the previous question where one is initially working hard, but then you're beginning to think, well, what's next and how can I add value? And I think that that lack of maybe clarity in my own mind or or, or maybe just overthinking it led me down the path of actually saying, well, right, I'm going to go off and do an MBA. I've been in the business 10 years. I suppose what that did open up, I mean, it opened up two difficult things or, or, or two pieces. One is stepping back from the business and sort of moving away. And I suppose at that age, it wasn't such a challenge. I mean, you know, mid to early early 30s as I was at the time. But I think the, the, the bit I did find was quite difficult was to try and work out now, where do I fit in next, which led me down the road of actually 
working outside in a number of different projects and probably stepping away from pure operations roles, which I had been doing, to which I think I was reasonably suited, not entirely suited, into roles that was focusing on people and on individuals around teaching, mentoring, coaching, consulting, and advising. I suppose, to be fair, it wasn't the business's fault, it wasn't my fault, but there was that issue of, well, now what do I go and do? And and running another subsidiary or being involved in a family office or going and doing investments for family, which always seems a nice out or, or way of dealing with that particular challenge, wasn't on the table because our business is a business which is focused on one area, one thing, doing it well, and is competing with the likes of Tesco and Walmart. We don't really have the luxury to sort of spread it around because if, if we do, our competitors will kill us. But I suppose for me, it was outside, do the MBA, and then spend some time outside. And I suppose then what that did, Ramia, as the family looked around, even though it was a big family, was begin to think, well, if we don't have this particular successor or an evident successor to use that singular word or that singular type of role in in operations and management and what I call an actual career successor, well, then we have to go down the sort of governance route. I suppose what it did for me was sort of validate myself in working outside. You know, one often talks about imposter syndrome and all these labels that people like to fire at successors. I mean, how successors get through all this stuff at all at any time, I sometimes wonder because everyone else seems to be willing to put labels on them fairly fast. But I do think for me, it was time out. And then this other stuff was going on, which then opened up other opportunities about five or six years down the line. You came then in, of course, at a totally different level. So as you spoke about, and I find this very interesting, this transition from the operational perspective on the business, like business growth entirely inside the business circle. And then your second entry, of course, like totally at the governance level and really looking at it from a totally different plane. What did that reveal as well for you in terms of like what it's like to deal with family dynamics in that kind of an environment? And what did it reveal to you? in terms of like your general conclusions when it comes to these family business dynamics and how they influence effective governance? When I had worked outside, I'd been marginally successful in trying to work out where I was going to go next. I was involved in teaching. I was involved in lecturing. I was involved in a family business center in in our local university. So I was still interested in it. I was probably a little bit disappointed that I hadn't made the career operations and career piece work. But that was for other reasons, I think, which I'll come to in the book later. But I think to your question, when I joined We'd moved on in our governance. I joined as a family director, which is a non-executive director. And I suppose did that through a competitive process uh, up against a cousin of mine. It's not an easy thing to go through that. Don't forget at the time, this we, we bought a business in Britain. The business by then was probably turning over in the, probably three or four billion euro. So it was a sizable business, a sizable board experience. So I suppose... In that dynamic piece, you know, you've done the management or, or the, own, the the business bit. You're now involved in ownership and learning about board and understanding your role as a board member. You're not there to be the family stooge. You aren't there to naysay the exec or to be an actual pushover. But you're there clearly as a as a board member. I always think it's it's worth saying this. Your primary responsibility is to the company, to everybody. That's your responsibility as a board member. So it's getting your head around that. I think about the family dynamics and the family piece. 
that came over time and over years, particularly as, as my father moved on, as my other family directors who were his cousins were moving on. And, and, and that then brought other issues. So I suppose the family dynamic piece arrived a little bit after that. I, I think it's worth saying that when I went in, I realized that our, our connection with our next generation of successors, because we didn't have next generation. Yes, you can lump them together in some things. So I suppose when I went into that, yes, your responsibility is, is to the board and, and doing the board stuff. Yeah, the family dynamic stuff comes along. And sometimes, you know, it might be helping them through their own stages. But the other bit that, that I tried to make my own and, and did up to a point was educating, mentoring, developing the next generation of successors, of which I organized events and weekends for them where they did family, business, social, entertain, you know, sports, just to get them to. I mean, these are cousins all over the world. And that was a very empowering and a very good thing. Tell us about, I guess, like uh, stepping back then again from the family business, like what prompted that, but also you then took all of that experience that you have mentoring and coaching and, and developing, and you you made that into your next next stage of your career. And this is what you're currently doing as well. As, as, and, and now we come also to your very interesting book. Tell us about that transition from out of the family business last time. When I was, I mean, picture this, this was 2005. I'd started as a family director, and I, I subsequently did two five-year terms, a lot of work on governance, a lot of work on the board. We bought large businesses. We had a problem with our business in Britain. I was involved in all of that as a board member, and I could probably write a book on that, although I won't, because as a board member, you know, the past is the past, and, and you learn from it and move on. I think it's worth saying for your listeners to, to understand how I got to writing the book was I, I mentioned earlier I was member of a family business center in Cork. Cork is a huge commercial pedigree of family businesses. My mother's business were, were in bakery and thing. My, my Her father was exporting to Marks and Spencer's in the 50s. That family business center came a cropper, if, if you will, in 2008. But I had then come across this thing called the FBN, the Family Business Network. So I suppose I then took that and launched that in Ireland as a sort of social entrepreneur using the family name. So when I decided to step down in 2015, having done two five-year terms, it was really with an eye to continuing that work that I'd started, trying to put something back, developing this idea for people who don't know the FBN, by families for families. The emphasis of it has slightly changed from, from when I set it up. But I do think, you know, looking back at my own career up to that time and the work that I'd done with our business as an owner, originally as a manager, then setting up this thing in the FBN and looking at the wider family business environment. I always felt, I said, yes, you know, if you look at a family business continuity, what do you need? You, you clearly need the asset growth and then the asset stewardship and all that, those good things. You clearly need some sort of consensus with the family. It isn't going to be unity. It, it, it may not be peace and harmony, but some sort of consensus that you're going to go from one to the next to the next. But the other area, which, which is what this book is about, is about family talent. Yes, the attention arms race and then the energy is being put towards non-family talent, which, of course, we would understand in our business because, I mean, we've had non-family people working in the business since the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, if you're going to be a career successor, yes, you can make it work all the way through. And, and if you're lucky and interested, you can get to the end of your career and you can look back. And certainly that was the experience of many of the generations behind me. 
But I think where you, well, one is now and what I bring into the book, if you look at my experience, I've been a career successor. I'd been a social entrepreneurial successor. I'd done the unifier because, of course, I was on the family council for 13 years, doing the constitution, doing the next generation of successors, doing all the bits that needs to be done. And then as a board member, I was what I called an ownership successor. So I tried to sort of change my attention. The attention is, yes, there's all this good stuff around. Now it's ESG and now it's obviously crypto and all these technical and all these risks. But if you're coming back to people, I said to myself, well, if I look back, you know, back at where I've come from, I mean, I can't change any of the decisions, but what book would I have liked to have read at the time? What book would have been a real help as I sat down? You know, do I join this business now? Is it right? Do I go away and take a risk and go and work in Spain when I've only been in the business sort of three or four years and no one else doing that? Is it right for me to change and sort of move out? Again, with all these kind of things, Randy, I mean, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with circumstance, you're never going to get all the bits properly organized and, and answers to everything. But if you can put the right questions, the hope is that people will then look at it at particular points around those roles through that life piece and say, well, maybe there's something here that can help them make up their mind, ask the right questions, talk with a mentor, even those conversations with, with their more senior family members. This brings us to your book, actually, Philip. I love the way you position it, basically, like writing the book that you wish you had had as a family business member. And I think that makes so much sense to me. And I'm sure that resonates with so many of, of the people listening right now, right? Like, I think who wouldn't want to write that book? And so you did, which is amazing. The book for me puts the, it puts the I in succession in a way, or asks if there is an I or there should be an I in succession. How you feel the book is contributing to this notion of preparedness, I would say, for the successor. And so tell us a little bit more about sort of like the core tenets that, that you present in the, in the book and that are supposed to help other family successors around the world. Well, I suppose when, as, as I said, and given my experience, I look back and I said to myself, you know, what is a book I, I would have liked to have read to help me make these particular individual decisions? And I would have liked that help at any age and stage. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the next generation moniker because I think it's a bit twee, it's, it's a bit narrow. Yes, it may work reasonably well in earlier stage fam, family businesses, but a successor is someone who is going to be there, one would hope, you know, through an entire life, like addressing a lot of the questions and issues that come specifically trying to deal with what I call this impact of ownership. This idea that ownership is there, it is a reality, it isn't easy to spot, it is, it is hidden. But I suppose, you know, when I stand back I, and I was writing the book, I was trying to think, well, what does my ideal successor look like who might get take this book? And I said, well, here is a, an individual who is surrounded by expectation, probably with a certain amount of opportunity in um, front of them, possibly dealing with difficult and, and varied relationship issues, most probably alone, because that's where, as successors, one ends up having to make the, the decisions. You know, do I want to? How do I learn? How do I join? Should I join? How do I develop credibility? How do I develop and, and develop some sort of career ladder within the business? What happens if I move out of the company? How do I deal with that transition piece? 
when I wrote the book, I, I said, I'm, I'm not going to write this about families. I'm not going to write it looking down on the, you know, the little successors or the next generation sort of playing in the play pit and what sand pit. I'm writing it for empowered individuals who are now we see even more not deciding to join, but trying to find their their way and and their ideas. Individuals who are part of families who are going out taking advice, setting up quite complex and involved governance systems, which in their own right need leadership and have all these leadership. What I did, Remy, was I said, well, if I'm going to write this, let's take my own experience. So in the early parts of the book, I write about the impact of ownership. I write about the context of which successors find themselves and trying this hidden and this open things. I come up with a couple of reasonably simple frameworks. Then I move into this idea of, well, the, you know, the key question is, at, at some stage for most people, is, you know, do I want to work for the family business or do I want the family business to work for me? And then that then takes you into this idea for those who want to work or, or, or do what I call career successors. There is this idea of understanding your value. I don't like this idea of asking a successor, when are you going to join the family business or are you about to join? I, I, I think that's a toxic question personally. I think the question you need to ask successors at any age and stage is, have you taken command of your value? with regards to your family business. And that completely changes the profile away from this family piece, which, which is fine and is, and is very credible. And Lord knows I spent many years working on it, but comes back to really what you're talking about at, at the end of the day are individuals who are trying to make, understand where they are, understand those possibilities, which I define as informed opportunity. So the early stage of the book is for those who, who do do the career successor bit, Join. How do you develop your own career pro pro ingression and, and understanding? You know, finding a way of taking the big business. I have a whole chapter on on credibility. I've never really seen anybody write well about that. Someone who's had to do it and go in and what does it really feel like? What are you looking out for? This can never have all the answers. I can only have some of the questions. Then I go into this idea of support and how successors and because in this I do have the principle that successors need to set up their own support over life because others really, I, I, I don't think in the first instance, are going to do it for them. And then having done that management career piece, I then introduced this idea of a transition successor, someone who, you know, we always think of successor people, you know, retiring at the end of a career, but there are those people who leave in the middle of a career for various reasons. The business gets sold, the business gets taken over, the part of the business that they are responsible for or have hung their hat on, and you're suddenly left hanging out in the wind. And, and, and how do you deal with that? And then towards the back end of the book, I, I begin to change the language because, of course, in family talent, Remy, it's not just about the successor on their own. They're not this individual in this bubble. And there is the other concomitance or, or reflective piece, which is what is the role or the tasks or the understanding of the family, leaving aside all the glossy stuff on constitutions and on strategy and on ESG and on cyber. We all know about those. But what does the family need to discuss in order to create an environment where successors can develop and thrive? The family may decide we, we don't want family members working in the company. 
that's fine, but it raises up a, a lot of other issues. Most family businesses that you'll ask, like, will have a notion of like wanting to do something to attract family talent, because there's an idea that family ownership has created stability over generations. We want to continue family involvement. In, in most cases, it's like that. Now, culturally, this also varies, but I'm thinking of certain cultures in, in, uh, in other parts of the world. Creating that space around yourself as a successor, where you invest this, this much in your personal development and this much into like what it is that you want, can be culturally very challenging, because family interference is permanent almost. Like so, it's permanent on your personal level, but it's also permanent on your uh, in in your career then and in your profession, leading to sort of like this very. Uh, like a radical split between those people that say like I want nothing to do with the family business and those that live and breathe and 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 like are in it so much so that as you said in the beginning every part of their life gets touched by it to some extent so how do you suggest um, you know people who live maybe in under circumstances where that pressure is quite considerable that family talent must be part of the family business that it must be part of the of the equation how do you suggest those successors deal with those that kind of level of interference well i think you 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 have to go back to the first principles and things why i wrote the book in writing the book i tried to give agency to these individuals to take control or take control may be strong, but, you know, take command of, of their value. Looking back one step further in the first part of the book, I certainly write about, well, what should they be looking out for, the um, successors, as they go in? And this idea of informed opportunity is not just around what are the three legs of family business continuity, asset growth, consensus, and family talent, but also this thing I mentioned earlier about this area of context for successes, which, which part of that is beginning to learn about the family and beginning to learn about what the demands are and what may or may not be coming down the track. Of course, you're, you're never going to get it 100% right, and there will be difficulties. When you have the, the, the other bit you speak about is this outside influence, this huge obligation, this duty, this sense of i mean as my grandmother said to me when i'm sitting in this is a new house but we're on the site she was sitting almost there literally in the next room she says philip i don't care what you do or where you go but into that business you must go she was the family matriarch and that made a huge impression i don't have any immediate solution to that i do think it is what i write about this impact of ownership where where it's coming at you but also I'm trying to give people back the agency to say, well, you do have these other benefits and, and other upsides to this involvement, um, like unless the business is in dire trouble, in which case they're looking at you going, you have to go in. And I've seen families like, like that at various family seminars where maybe the patriarch for the kind of cultures you speak about has probably passed probably huge amounts of effort and the family are left with siblings and probably mom and, and, and they're trying to sort out the situation. So there will be those situational things where maybe you just have to. My grandfather, my mother's side, his father died. He took the train home from North Wales, went straight into a bakery and had to run it. I don't have to do that. And my cousins and siblings don't have to do that because you have this sort of non-family buffer who will keep, keep that away. But I think if you get back to the principle of what we're trying to achieve is we're trying to give more agency to the individuals. In the book, I've tried to lay out the different types of successor lead profiles, 
role profile. So they can begin to take time to look and see how and where they fit in. If there is a lot of family pressure, and, and I, I've known this particularly when you step down from a role, think of King Lear, when you step out of a role, is as much about whether you should be stepping into a role. And I think that's just part of the growth piece that maybe in that kind of scenario, you do have to have the, the courage just to walk away from it or to move away takes a lot of courage. And, you know, you asked me earlier about this stepping down in my 30s because I didn't see any real support. or I, And I was quite complex in trying to work out how and where I could go next. To so stepping out in my very, you know, my late 40s, I think in the sort of, in the sort of latter stage, I was probably beginning to realize that I wasn't going to get everything back that I needed from or that I wanted to do between that and my mid mid um, 60s. What I will say to you and share with your listeners, it was extremely difficult. And it wasn't for the faint heart. Anymore. And people with a personal toes throughout their careers, everything with family businesses, it tends to be all encompassing. I love this positioning of the book as a tool also to give us these identifiers, to give to look at like these all these different types of successors that we have and all the in-betweens. And as you said, to not only look at this as a beginning of the career discussion, but something that will crop up in different formats along the way. And I think this uh, opening ourselves up to that part of the conversation, I think is very important because it gives people freedom to be part of this conversation even later on in their career. The other thing in all this, and when I use terms like the impact of ownership as opposed to legacy, when I take things like, I don't like next generation because it looks very internal. I use the word successor. And also when I'm looking at this career path type stuff, the other bit that I noticed is a lot of this discussion and thought, it's very inward looking. And for the successors, for my kids and my, our own children, if you look at where they are, what they're doing, going to have changed their job three or four times by the time they're in their mid-20s. For someone from a family business background, that's absolute anathema because some of them never have changed their role. They've been in the same company. That's fine. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get into this discussion of talent that brings in a little bit more of the reality of what your successors are seeing out there. But at the same time, it's part of their family. It's part of their heritage. It's part of their you know, granddad, grandma, great uncle. So the kids or the younger people are interested what you're trying to do here is set up a process that allows them the space and the time to find their way through this, to make some of the decisions, hopefully informed opportunity. They will make, this, make errors and have difficulties. There will be outside pressure. But I think in developing their careers, and I look at my own kids, our own children, they're all making decisions quite apart from the family business. They're all the time moving around and talking and moving much more than even we were 30 years ago. So it seems to me that the market, if you're going to talk about a market for talent and a war for talent and all this language, have a look at the, what impact it's having on your successors. Because if you think about it, you know, a family business has leadership needs, you know, for the sustainability of the long term, that entrepreneurial successes, however you may think. I mean, maybe a founder coming, person coming back in third generation who has a founder mentality and reinvents the business. Ownership successors, people who are taking on the governance. Those unifier successors who are working with family members on family councils and are generous enough to give time. Those uninvolved successors who are just the next generation successors sort of wandering around, wondering what the hell is going on, but they're still thinking about it. So you're all trying to get these touch points, but if you put it all together, put them, that mosaic together, 
that is succession. And really what you're doing, taking away constitutions, yes, the strategy, yes, there's boards, is you're appointing a family to leadership, however that may be. And in doing that, the old language is saying you are attracting the business to family members to the business and looking to attract them. That's only to, in, in my understanding of what people are saying, that it's only to one area. That's the, the career successor. Yes, in early stage, that may be needed. needs, But pretty quickly, these businesses are getting bigger. And if you look at the way the advisors are working, you look at the way the wealth people are working, you look at the way the people need to. There's a lot of other bits that need educated and well-informed family members who are also, they're going to make their decisions based on their own needs and what they discover for themselves. Successors only believe what they discover for themselves. You're going to go on telling them for hours and you're going to go mad. But my argument is, well, have some sort, and this plays to my final bit, Ramy, in the end, I try to pull it together in this sort of self-assessment and sort of leadership and sort of successor development model. Because in the early years, it's about setting up, you know, this three-stage bit, you know, to give kids deep roots, strong wings, and the freedom to use them. And in that, it's a very interesting bit that I try to write about in the book is that interplay yes it's giving the successors agency and giving these terms and helping them the book that i would have liked to have read but i've also put in what i call family talent principles in there that any family talent any family considering succession i think will need to go through them some of them maybe no that isn't us right but at least at least you've looked at it because my experience is the one thing that families don't like to talk about is leadership and talent but maybe just turn the language around, make it sound different, come up with some different way of describing it. And everyone will go, oh, yeah, I'll talk about that. You know, sometimes the language is important. But I suppose it's, it's, it's trying to come at it in a different, slightly different. And to be fair, I think, Remy, if you look, I see the Family Enterprise Foundation in um, Canada have recently re- released a huge report. Because I think people are finding this. They've gone around, put in all these structures, put in all this governance stuff, put, put in all the technical stuff advised by the technocrats but they haven't really dealt with the main issue, which is the people piece. Yes, you need this other bit, but unless you look at some way, which is what interesting bit, and I'll, and I'll finish this part, of, is, is if you look at those family businesses that have come to this and have some resources, I'm thinking of some of the big families who've discussed this publicly, like the Brennick Myers and CNA, their family offices are not messing around with investments and doing all this stuff. Yes, they're doing some of that, but a lot of it is spent helping successors deal with the impact of ownership. The challenge is to find out how that thinking comes back into family businesses of an earlier age and stage that it makes sense because all the other stuff has to be done. And my only belief in this is that the only way this is going to happen is if you give agency to the successors and give them more stuff that's aimed at them. That's not teaching them, you know, this is what a business is. This is what a truck is. But it's taking account. These people are really quite far ahead and couching the language in quite sophisticated but fair and clear language that doesn't alienate them. That's the other thing you see with family businesses that you go and they're giving them all these, you know, acronyms and all the stuff on business and successors who maybe will go away and set up an amazing non-profit foundation on, on their own accord, which quite easily could have been done as part of the wider family enterprise where all boats rise. That person feels that they've got their own energy and their own identity, which is why I set up the FBN. What was to give me something? I see, I did that. 
So helping us take back agency as successors with uh, with Philip and his book. We'll, we're linking back to the book below this podcast so everyone can access it and uh, and purchase it, hopefully. And uh, he's holding it up. <laughs> uh, Philip, thank you so much for joining us on the Family Business Voice. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And, and I hope what I've said makes a lot of sense. It's on, There is a website there. There are some links. Have a look if you want to uh, drop me a line. I mean, ultimately, the message is all the other bits are important. I understand that. But I think we've got to have a real hard look at this family talent bit. And if I can focus on that and do that well, well, then I'd have done something and I'll just go back out and play more tennis. Thank you. Thank you, Philip. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.